Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto. Cutting-edge, state-of-the-art, compassionate facility. Right now, it is Mental Health Awareness Week. This is the time when they need you most. This is the time when you can make a real difference when it comes to doing something about the mental health crisis and the devastating opioid epidemic, the overdose epidemic that we're currently experiencing, losing 20 people every day. They need your help. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help CAMH treat addiction and build hope. Have a seat. Um, yeah, so it's, it's recording now. Okay. And we'll have a conversation. I'll seem like sure. I'm, I'm being mean to you for a second, but I have no interest in being mean to you. You can be mean just, to me, that's I'm, fine. <sighs> There's a lot of, sorry, we're recording now? We're I mean, recording. oh, so I guess everything I say is on, on the record then, so maybe I won't say what I was about to say. <laughs> that's probably exactly <laughs> what you should say. Maybe I'll ask you, yeah, that's, that's all I can ask you that here's an email that was sent to our news editor a short time ago hi jonathan i want to suggest canada land dedicate more coverage to local digital native media in canada for a team that advocates for alternatives to the cbc and legacy media Canada Land's lack of coverage of brands like Narcity, Daily Hive, Curiosity, etc., is surprising and perhaps even a disservice to your audience. These brands, along with BlogTO, are huge success stories in Canadian media. They employ a growing team of journalists and content creators and attract more readers online and via social media than most other news media in Canada. The story of Canadian media right now is incomplete without including them in the narrative. Sincerely, Tim Shore, founder, BlogTO. You know what? He's right. 
We talk endlessly about how news organizations are all failing and they can't find a viable business model, but we more or less ignore a whole slew of media sites that have been steadily earning serious cash for over a decade. And the reason why we ignore them is simple. It's because we're snobs. We just don't consider them news. Toronto is getting a month of all-you-can-eat wings. Drake is selling his YOLO estate mansion for $14.5 million, and these pictures are nuts. Husky puppy found injured and alone in Toronto is getting help. Those headlines are not about politics. They're not about policy or serious social issues. I mean, those are all stories that I actually enjoy clicking on, so how can they be news? It is the default position of most every Canadian journalist to look down our noses at Vancouver is awesome, at MTL blog, and all the rest, to mock them, to question the editorial integrity of their stories. I could slam them as content farms where disposable media minions pump out repurposed aggregated info blurbs on whatever happens to be trending at the moment. I could take those shots with very little risk of blowback from my professional peer group of very serious journalists, because that's what everybody thinks. It is very popular to hate on BlogTO. But you know what's much, much more popular than that? BlogTO. And as a result of their popularity, which they built over the last 18 years, BlogTO was recently sold for $15 million to a guy who might not know much about digital, but who certainly knows a thing or two about how to turn a buck off of media in Canada. In January, Moses Neimer's Zoomer Media Limited announced that it had acquired all of the shares of BlogTO's parent company, Fresh Daily. Moses Neimer, of course, is the founder of City TV and Much Music. Moses is a wealthy man who has now made BlogTO founder Tim Shore a wealthy man, but before Tim can go enjoy it all, He's got to go work for his new boss at the Zoomerplex and continue to run BlogTO for however long the terms of sale demand it. Listen, this guy basically has it made. He can just rent out the clock and then be set for life. And who cares if a snob like me ignores his accomplishment or if every reporter in Canada sneers at the very idea that BlogTO and sites like it might be media companies worth some attention or even respect. But Tim reached out anyhow, and if he is up for talking, then yeah, I am absolutely curious about how the whole thing works. Wait for it. This episode is brought to you by Jean-Francois Lemieux, Chris Langford, Tristan Cavers, Colton Giesbrecht, Tim Lawrence, Eric Moss, Alexandra Liesk, and Danielle. Hi, I'm Danielle, a union activist from Toronto. I subscribe to Canalam because they tell me everything I didn't know I needed to know about what's happening in the country. And when I get tired of disagreeing with Jesse, I can tune into other great voices like Fatima Syed on my favorite program, The Backbench, which proves once and for all that Canadian politics are not boring. Point of order, Madam Speaker, time to cue the music. Let me start by asking you to read this blog to you headline. Someone was recorded taking a nasty dump inside a Toronto subway station. Imagine if I just spent this whole interview, like, meticulously doing an accountability interview about this article. We can just go through this sentence by sentence. 
Uh, no, that probably isn't a good use of this time. I should probably start just by congratulating you. $15 million sale to Zoomer Media. Thank you. $15 million for a blog, a local blog. Well, I mean, I, I'll have to say that we don't consider ourselves a blog. What is this, 2005? (laughs) No, you're a social media, it's an empire, whatever. The point is, at the exact same point in time when the media is like dying in flames, you built a business that was just sold for $15 million doing news, like Mm -hmm. local news. Local news, yes, and content. Completely Mm -hmm. opposite the current of the entire industry, and and you just exited. Uh, You just sold it. Correct. Uh, I think that's astonishing. Well, I think it's a testament to, yeah, what we've built, what the team is, you know, the hard work that the team has put in over the years and the fact that we've managed to build a pretty sizable audience across multiple platforms. So not just the web, but we've got a huge social media reach as well and we're profitable. So I think those are the things that, you know, if someone wanted to, in this case, you know, purchase us, um, there's a lot of things to like. The thing that I'm actually curious about is like, how the hell is your company worth $15 million? And, and this is probably a part of the media that I just don't know enough about. And it's not just you. Like, I know that Village Media does local reporting, the kind that I think the very serious reporters of Canada often just don't pay that much attention to. It's, um, you know, at best, people call it service journalism, uh-huh. right? I think this stuff is at the core essence of where newspapers come from. Just telling communities, somebody opened a store, Mm-hmm. Or here, like, mm-hmm. like, the, and then the journalism comes after that, you know, if you look historically at how newspapers are, anyhow. But 15 million, I heard the display advertising, the bottom had dropped out, the CPMs were down. I got to know, like, what is your, what is the annual revenue of Blogtio? So, I mean, I can't get into financials, obviously, because uh, Zoomer Media is a public company. So I'm not at liberty to really speak about that anymore. What I can tell you is that prior to acquisition, at least I hope I can say this, is that Blogtail was a profitable company, growing in terms of revenue as well as audience year over year. Even during the pandemic where, you know, like most publishers, we had challenges, you know, a lot of advertising, you know, that we would have perhaps captured went away, but our team still did a great job. We grew our audience over the last couple of years. We grew our revenue in many different areas over the last couple of years. Don't tell me what the annual revenue is. I understand you can't tell me how much money it makes each year. Tell me how you make money because my conception is not much more evolved than this, to tell you the truth. Uh, You pump out a lot of content. You fine-tune it for the most clicks possible. And then ad networks serve ads. And the more clicks you get, uh, the more money you make on ads. And then there's like this idea of like, is that an ad? Did somebody pay for this article? What's going on here? But I actually don't know. So the biggest misconception, and there's a lot of them about Blogtio, is that the content is paid for. If you go to the website, none of the content is paid for. It's all editorial. People somehow assume that if we write about a local business, a restaurant, whatever, that they've paid us for that. That is not the case. We have very strict editorial practices. I've always sort of said to our team that our editorial practices are at a higher standard than legacy media publications. Certainly, if we were to do anything that is sponsored, and we do a lot of sponsored stuff on social media, it's all marked and clearly you know, flagged as sponsored content. We would never publish anything that wasn't clearly indicated as paid for by the advertisers. If you're reading an article on the website and you don't see something that says, you know, sponsored or this article has been paid, which you would never see, then it's editorial. And it's a disservice, honestly, to the local businesses to suggest that it's been paid for. 
And they end up, these poor local businesses end up defending themselves, saying, no, we didn't pay for this. Like, Blogtio came in and, and wrote about us. And then they're put in this position of, you know, essentially defending us because uh, people are thinking that this is paid for in, for in some way. Do you know why people think the articles are paid for? Uh, I have some suspicions, but I don't know if I've completely cracked the code. I would say that when Blogtio started, and this was way back in 2004, there wasn't a lot of digital activity in the city, but there was some. And there were sites like, at the time, Dine2O, uh, as well as some others that had pages on local restaurants. And the business model for them at the time, as I understand it, was all you know pay to play. Like, we'll put a page up for you about your restaurant if you pay us money. There were bad actors out there. Uh, that was just the model and, okay. and whatever. And, you know, I always had the philosophy that we would never do that. If we're covering a local business or writing about something, we're going to do it because we want to do it and because we feel there's a story to tell, not because someone pays us. And if someone tries to pay us, we're going to say no. You know, so many times over the years, we've gotten emails, so how much does it cost to be on a best of Toronto list? And the answer is, you can't pay. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. you're not going to be on that list unless, you know, it's it's editorial. You're, you're on that list if you're awesome. And, you know, maybe you're awesome and you're not on the list, but you can't pay to be on that list. People think that the articles on Blog.to are all paid for because you love everything. Toronto is getting... A big Sean pop-up shop. Toronto's getting a Bill Murray day. Toronto's getting a brunch festival. Toronto's getting a cheap pie day. Toronto is getting a gourmet samosa food truck. Toronto's getting a Hawaiian poke restaurant. Toronto's getting a funnel cake restaurant. Toronto's getting a friend's central perk coffee shop. Toronto's always getting something great. Yeah. Well, I, they're not always always great, but they're getting something. And and even when something's not great, it's yeah. it, it still might get a blog to your article that's like you know sure enthusiastically announcing it. Yet. It's coming, but we're, we're yeah, getting we'll it. See it's what great. It's like. yeah. So I think people are like, wow. I wonder how much that that show. I mean, the, for a publication to spend as much time talking about food as blog to does, but to not publish like I mean, you don't publish restaurant reviews, right? So there's never been a, a negative. There's never been a, one negative article. No, not necessarily true. No, that's not true at all. Uh, we do write things that are not favorable. Our writers have the discretion of writing whatever they want. There's nothing in our editorial guidelines that says you must write something positive about this place. Writers have full discretion to write whatever they want. Okay, but look, this isn't even like an accusatory thing. Like, I, I, It actually is just me trying to figure out the business model. And, and I know that People really do have a simplistic idea, and I think it's just because we haven't explained to people, which is like we can actually explain to them now, yeah. how this stuff works. Sure. And, and they think it's just transactional. Like, here's the money, write the article. No, right? not at all. What I know is, and this has been true in news since like year one, if you have like happy content, advertisers would rather be next to it, right? Advertisers don't like hard news. They've never liked sure. like hard news, death and, and misery and mm -hmm. social issues. They don't like that. That's why newspapers had... Travel sections, food sections, wheel sections, and those sections, I think, historically were like consumer information, reviews, negative stuff, positive stuff, but it was like a safe place for advertising. When I look at Blogtio and dozens of sites, like you're part of an industry that's popped up, it seems to me that like what's really changed in, in things like coverage of what you can do in Toronto and where you can go eat and what you can go do is really, really enthusiastic booster sites that are just like, here are all of the plethora of options and the general tone is happy and like a celebration of Toronto. I don't think that that's controversial. You're not being accused of anything. And I think that that's a very advertiser-friendly format. Anything I said so far sound wrong to you? No, it's fine. But you have to also appreciate that 
that uh, positive con- content that is either strongly positive or possibly the opposite is more algorithm friendly. So you're going to be seeing more of that in your social feeds. It's not just what advertisers want. It's what people respond it's to. It's what people respond yeah. to. And unfortunately, I think what happens is we get so many emails you know, people say, oh, you should cover this, you should cover, you should cover that, you know, stop just writing about Drake or Chair Girl or whatever. And we're like, well, we actually are covering all that. You're just not seeing it in your social media feed. You're seeing the Chair Girl and the Drake because that's what people are engaging with and what people are sharing. But all the stuff that you just suggested we covered, here are the articles that we wrote about that. Look in the mirror, You just haven't reader. seen it because the social media, your algorithm yeah. hasn't shown it to you. Right. And people are still locked into a frame of mind of... This isn't about what you chose to put on the front page because this is the site that, like, you put out 10 articles and the one that does well rises on the site, rises in people's social media feeds, gets more attention. And then the other stuff, you're doing it, but it doesn't get the same response. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame people. I mean, there's just so much content out there to consume every day. We publish, as you said, upwards of 20 articles a day. Do the math. It's over 100 a week. Uh, plus, we're creating original content on our social media feeds. We're doing a unique content on TikTok. We're doing unique content on Instagram. And it's impossible to see it all. Even people who work for the site can't consume it all. 20 articles a day, and yet this article, someone was recorded taking a nasty dump inside a Toronto subway station, is still on the front page. Why? Because people click on it. Yeah, well, it's in the trending section, I yeah. assume. Yeah. That would be indicative of what people are engaging with. Yeah. You were challenged in a Reddit AMA when people were talking about you guys are clickbait. And you challenged the notion of clickbait by bringing up, like, a certain definition of clickbait that the New York Times has, which is essentially when you basically lie in the head. Like, if you click on this, you're going to get a story about the Pope just did a backflip. And then you click on it, and it's not the Pope doing a backflip. Correct. Correct. Right? Um, And that's—we don't do that here at Bloggio, is your point. That's correct. You absolutely, like everybody else— are trying to write headlines that people click on. That's correct. You're trying to entice people to click on the headline with the exact combination of words that is going to get the most clicks that accurately reflects what they're going to get on the other end of that click. I think that's fair. And you're pretty damn precise about it. Like We try. How do you try? Do you do A-B testing? So we do a lot of testing. We are very analytically driven. Uh, analytics really drives a lot of our editorial decisions, unfortunately, as well as the way that we package content. Why is it unfortunate? Well, because I think there's stories that we haven't figured out a way to get readers to engage with that we don't pursue because the analytics are really poor. What kind of what kind of stories are those? Oh, I mean, like writing about local theater productions, for example. You know, we'd love to do more of that. People don't read it. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Right now, 
there is an opioid crisis. Right now, there is a mental health crisis. But right now, it is Mental Health Week. And what that means is you can do something about these crises. You can help people. You can help CAMH save lives. They offer treatment with dignity, and they are doing cutting-edge research. I don't know if anybody listening to this is untouched by this crisis. You can see it in the downtown of every city in this country. You certainly feel it in Toronto. This is not something happening to other people. These are our friends. These are our communities, our families. We are all touched by addiction. We are all touched by the mental health crisis, and we all share responsibility to do something about it. Helping CAMH is something you can do about it. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where nobody is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help them treat addiction and build hope. It seems to me that the story of BlogTO is one where you were locked in this dead heat competition with Torontoist, and then you kind of pulled ahead. And it feels to me like they went like, let's really focus on civic journalism. Mm -hmm. And... That's how they fucked themselves. <laughs> I don't know if that's how they effed themselves, but this is going back many years. Um, but yeah, we had a different content strategy than Torontoist. I think the notion of local journalism, when people talk about you know local media, is I think they make the mistake, in my opinion, of always referring to civic journalism, city hall, political discussions. That is a very small fraction of what people living in a city are interested in. And in mm -hmm. fact, a lot of people are not interested in that. They want to know what's happening in their neighborhood. They want to know what that weird thing is, you know, that someone is building, you know, down the street. They want to know where to eat and events to go to. Like, there's a huge range of content that people living in a city care about. And the idea that it all revolves around City Hall is, like, totally, you know, a mistruth. And uh, It's elitist. And We're snobs. I'm a snob. We talk about that shit every episode. There's a much bigger audience out there for just stories about regular life. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, what BlogTO tries to do. That's why I think we've we've been successful, why we've grown our audience over the years, because we do ultimately try to reflect life in the city back at our audience. And we really work hard to uncover stories that they're not getting from other publications. And uh, I think, you know, that's why we've been successful. And I want to ask you again. Is it just a volume business of like the more traffic, the more money, or are your own people selling ads to local businesses? No. And what's the division of those two things? No. So I'll say a few things. So first of all, digital media, especially our model, which is not based on subscriptions or any other sort of like, we try to monetize the audience, right? The eyeballs. We're not trying to get revenue from, you know, selling things like coffee or whatever, um, that other media have tried. Um, we don't um, make people pay to, for the content. Not that there's anything wrong with a coffee uh, or two. We don't have or a with a subscription model. We fully believe our content should be free. All of your money is from ads. So I'll explain it right now. So it is a game where you you got to build traffic, right? So we, you know, last year delivered 350 million page views a year. That's about 30 million a month. Uh -huh. That's just on the website. And again, BlogTO is more than just a website. And so we're trying to monetize each of those pages. But we also monetize them, I believe, not at all to their capabilities. So if you go to BlogTO and you compare it to other sites, you should see less banner ads. You won't see advertorial like you see on a lot of, you know, almost all of our competitors. Mm -hmm. You really just see a bunch of 
hopefully interesting content. And if you click on an article, there might be one ad, maybe two if you're on your desktop computer that you'll see. And that is it. But talk to me about the uh, money. So, Where's, what, so it's the a biggest? traffic game, right? So regardless of what the CPMs are, it's all about volume, right? The more impressions you can deliver, the more revenue you're going to be generating regardless of what the CPM. Obviously, and, how, and how much of that is in-house sales and how much of that is through ad So networks? we have no in-house sales. None, okay. So we work with an external sales team. So we do have a sales team, but it's external. And a lot of it is just responding to inbound or working with larger, you know, media agencies, you know, national brands. We do not have a sales team. We've never had a sales team that actually goes to local businesses and says, hey, do you want to buy this? Never. And that also makes us unique because if you look at every single other local media, they've got those sales teams that knock on doors. Just talk to any restaurant or local business about what it's like. And they'll be like, oh my God, just like sales people all the time knocking on doors, trying to sell something and ask them, what about BlogTO, big site? Like, how often do they knock in the doors? The answer will be never, never. But you've got partners that are talking to, like, uh, a car brand or something. Sure. And they might be selling a specific BlogTO package. Like, we're going to give you, like, primary placement on BlogTO, on the various verticals, this type of content. They might buy a package that's specific, right? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, and like— the, And like, that, that's one kind of ad. And then another kind of ad, the advertiser may not even know that their ad is on BlogTO, Right. Like, they, like they're just most like, digital publishers. When it comes to monetizing uh, banner inventory, you've got what would most commonly be referred to as like your premium inventory that you're selling directly at higher CPM rates. So that's when you've got the relationship with a media buying agency who their client is a car company and they're purchasing a certain yeah. number of impressions. You're getting that at a good rate, and then you've got a whole other layer that you're kind of using uh, third parties like Google to fill what you can refer to as like your unsold or your remnant inventory. So you are hopefully monetizing your entire scope of inventory, but you're getting it at various different rates. You know, this is a bit in the weeds and many people won't care about this, but I think that we want to increase people's literacy about like how these ads happen and where they come from, you know? In that first instance, you've got an intermediary going to a brand and saying, we got BlogTO, we got three other options. And they go, oh, I like BlogTO. We're going to make a buy and then they, they can specify various things about what parts of BlogTO and what the ad's going to look like. And then there's like a direct financial relation, well, indirect in that there's an intermediary, but they know they're buying BlogTO. And uh, people even go to advertisers sometimes and they get mad at them if they're on the wrong page, right? And then there are these other ad markets like Google and others where people are like, I want to buy the next 5 million impressions on articles for this demographic and it it might get fed to like 100 different sites or 1,000 different sites, right? So which of those two is the main revenue source for BlogTO. So the latter is the lowest. So that's your remnant programmatic advertising where those advertisers are not necessarily buying BlogTO. They could be, but they're more interested in sort of buying an audience. They're not actually even buying content. They're not actually even saying, you know, I want to be on an article that has to do with like cars or something. Um, They're more, you know, buying an audience, you know, Toronto, you know, geographic audience, age group, group, that kind of stuff. Um, I would say that would be not our greatest revenue source. Um, you're going to get better CPMs. Uh, do, I need, do you want me to explain what that means, or everyone, you think we Kids, gotta... a CPM is a <laughs> cost per mil, which is a little. It's not a million; it's a thousand. It's uh, you know, a, a, what, what would be a good CPM for BlogTO content? If like if you got your top CPM, I mean, I think if you're doing like sixteen dollars or higher, it's it's for web. It's that's really de- good. It's decent. Yeah. So and the next thousand people who see this, the advertiser is going to pay you sixteen bucks for that thousand. 
So if you got a, if you got a post that hits, yeah, that's a good CPM. Yeah, I, I used to blog for McLean's, and we would do a little happy dance if uh, a post hit ten thousand. Yeah, that would be a really good post. What's a really good post on Blogtio? How many people does it hit? Our top performing posts on a weekly basis will be six figures. So they'll be in the hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. And every week. Every week. Yeah, mm-hmm. those will be our top posts. Um, Guy shitting in the subway station, that would probably, it's, it's been trending. I'm not sure. For, I'd have to check the traffic. If it's trending seven days later, then we're into the six Possibly, figures. possibly. Yeah. Uh, and I would say internally, anything less than 20,000 is generally considered not a success. Underperformer. Yeah, under 20,000 page views. Right. Yeah. Right. This is like a long-term science experiment into like what do people want to read about? There's actually an answer to that question. Yes. And since 2004, you've been essentially yes. refining and refining. Correct. You know what Toronto wants to read we about. We do. And so, you know, if people are wondering why we're still writing about Drake, stop reading the Drake articles because we're writing about it because every time we write about him, it generally does well. Here's a distinction that matters. I appreciate Nobody paid for that article. Nobody's like, I want you to write a nice article about me. That's right. But if you're like, okay, we're working on a deal with Bosley Real Estate, Mm -hmm. and they are interested in sponsoring real estate coverage, Mm -hmm. and Torontonians absolutely click the shit out of articles, hate read articles, nice articles, my mom bought me a condo, fuck her, those like, but they click them. They click them like crazy. Have you ever, like, created content so that you would have, I don't know, it's chicken and egg. I mean, like, knowing that you're, like, lining up a certain sponsor, you're like, well, we're going to have to create a lot more content of that category. Like, so that might influence your editorial coverage, not in that you're going to write a bunch of nice articles about Bosley Real Estate, but, like, we need a bunch of, like, happy articles about condos. Well, I, I don't I don't think it necessarily has to be happy articles, but I think, you know, local pu- local are. publications know or probably have figured out by now that there's certain topics that advertisers like to be around, and a lot of them are seasonal. You know, when summer comes along, um, there's a whole, you know, advertising base that wants to be around uh, patio-related content or, you know, road trips that you can go on this summer, and it can go on and on. So, yes, there's definitely certain content buckets that you know that if you write the content, there's likely advertisers there that are going to want to target it. But I want to make sure that your audience understands the difference between, you know, selling an advertising package to an advertiser, let's say, on uh, real estate content like Bosley, versus something that would be considered like, um, you know, branded editorial or like actually like paid content that they've paid for. That's because exactly they're, the distinction they're we're different. making. Because yeah. they're different. You still have total autonomy. We have total autonomy. I don't think people realize how much of a demand there is for, I mean, there's different, you know, euphemisms for the word, but like advertorial content. There's a massive demand from brands and advertisers to pay publications to write articles about them that they can control. We have established that you don't do that. I believe you. No, I'm going to clarify that. So what I'm going to say is, so over the years, we have gotten a massive influx of demand for that kind of content that we just flatly rejected. And in some cases, we're able to, you know, our sales team was able to convert some of that demand to other types of advertising. But in many cases, what those advertisers just did is they just went to one of our competitors and just bought it from them because they sell it. Everyone does. Whether you are Toronto Life or some digital publications like Daily Hive or Narcity and the list goes on, they will gladly take that money 
and write those articles. And that's fine. That's a very common business model right now. Who does that in, in our city? Everybody. Else? Everybody. Everybody but BlogTO just has sponsored. Everyone has done it historically for many years. Yeah. So about a couple months ago, we tested the waters with doing a small selection of these, mostly for cannabis advertisers, which uh-huh. is a whole other ball game uh, in terms of what's going on with, with the cannabis that, industry. That fucking speculative cannabis money had everybody. Uh... Um, but again, these select articles you actually wouldn't really see on the site because they're not on the homepage. And if you do come across them, you've found them from a social media post that has been clearly marked as sponsored. And if you land on the article, it's also clearly marked as sponsored. So you've done SponCon. You've done advertorial. We've done a very small number just yeah. over the last couple of months. Same. We experimented years ago and spun off an ancillary brand. We did a, a branded podcast show and it was you know labeled differently and presented differently so people knew what they were getting into. But that's not your chief business model, you're saying. Uh, it's it's not even... You, you, you experiment uh, with it to see... It's like a 0.000... Right. But what you did say there is that when they come cash in hand, write a nice article about me, you might say, look... Wrigley. We're not going to do a Wrigley chewing gum is great article, but we still want to do business with you. So we're going to have a series of like, there's like a ton of great content coming out, chewing fun in the summertime, kids love gum. You know, it's just going to be generally about the wonders of chewing gum and related activities. And that's a great place for your- I I think advertisers have learned that they really can't get stuff like that from us. We're not going to, again, there is a very strict separation between church and state, so editorial and advertising, and advertisers simply cannot pay us to mention their gum or anything in articles. Um, What they can do, uh, to your point, is if Wrigley wants to be around like a summer, uh, some sort of like Toronto summer guide, and that's the kind of content they want their brand and advertising to be around, sure, we can sell them that, but we were going to write that anyway. Are you saying that you wouldn't think of editorial to suit an advertiser demand? You wouldn't try to like— They might suggest stuff that maybe we haven't already kind of planned for that's within our editorial scope that we'd be like, oh, actually, that's a really good idea. And and sure, we would do it from an editorial perspective and they would advertise next to it. But we would never pursue something that wasn't within our editorial scope. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing is kind of a silly thing, like like church. I don't mean to disparage the content that you publish— but to consider it like holy as like as an untouchable church, for the most part, this is like fun tidbits about the city that people live in for people who enjoy living in the city, right? Like, you know. No one wants a website that just sits there, you know, just has a negative um, negative view on the city that they, that they especially like Toronto. Toronto's a great city. Shit, they and, don't. And, you know, are there plans, issues? Then. Are there Is everything great in Toronto? No. There's a lot of problems. Affordable housing is one of those. And we do write about those and we don't write about it on a positive way. So we do pursue a lot of content that isn't like super positive. But yeah, if we find a great restaurant or there's an event that we go to that we think is great, we're going to say it's great. You know, you know that the articles about unaffordable housing do not perform very well. At a certain point, newspapers started doing them anyhow and building out investigative units and civic reporting units. And that's how the modern newspaper in a previous era became this pillar of democracy and, and civic engagement. Is that like a model that you're looking to replicate or are you like, that's not my thing at it's all? It's not about replicating it. I mean, we that's something that we've always been doing. I mean, we are very analytically focused and yes, it is a priority to pay attention to analytics and try to interpret what they mean and when we make editorial decisions, figure out, depending on this type of story or how we package it, you know, is this something that analytics support? Is this content that we feel our audience is going to engage with? But we also have the discretion to make 
decisions that are not purely analytics-based because we feel the story needs to be told. So that is not a new thing that we're going to embark on. That is something that we've been doing for years. Uh, we Is there know, a particular piece of like civics reporting that you're like a story that you broke that you're particularly proud of? I mean, during the pandemic, we did a ton, and we still do, but certainly during the heart of the, the sort of peak pandemic, I would say like a year ago, we diverted a lot of editorial resources just to tell human interest stories about how you know, various, you know, whether it's people, organizations, neighborhood groups, whatever, were overcoming, you know, obviously what at the time. And, That's and cool. Still is. That's cool. Yeah. And, but, but and those the, weren't all necessarily like huge, you know, page view uh, generators, human but there, interest was, is, uh, there were stories we wanted to tell. Human interest is great, but I'm asking a different question. And if the answer is no, it's, it's okay if the answer is no. But like, do you have a reporter at City Hall? We don't. Right. That's not your thing. You're not doing that. That's not our thing. I mean, we will write about things that happen at City Hall, but we don't have a dedicated reporter station there. No one's at Queen's Park. for No one's at Queen's Park. Yeah, that's somebody else's. The Toronto Star can do that. Someone else can do that. I always figured, and I think a lot of people figured, that those ads that we see on the website, that's how you make your money. Is that true? We do make money from the website, but in fact, it's not our main revenue source. Uh, it was back in the day, but, you know, media has evolved, BlogTO has evolved. So what's your main revenue source? our audience has evolved. Uh, these days, if you're not following BlogTO on social media and seeing all the original content that we're creating across various social media platforms, you're really not seeing the whole story. I know people like to focus a lot on the articles that we create, but we've got a social media and video team that is out in the city every day creating original content for Instagram and for TikToks. We're active on Twitter. We're about to launch two new shows on Snap. Uh, We're obviously on Facebook. There's a lot we're doing on social media that that, people need to pay attention to. How do those ads work? Like, if I'm buying a bunch of social media from BlogTO, uh, is it just like a, like, I I should know more than I do about things like TikTok and, you know, videos that appear on Instagram. But, like, how are those units sold and what what does the ad look like? The interesting thing about social media is that the platforms were largely developed with sponsored placements baked in. And therefore, the audience that is using those social platforms are used to seeing, you know, these sponsored posts. Uh, Sponsored posts on social media, there's a whole system for anyone who has ever uploaded anything, let's say, to Instagram, where you have to flag it as a paid partner. There's a bunch of, you know, things that you do to disclose that. And as a user, if you're scrolling through your Instagram feed, you'll see photos and videos clearly marked as sponsored if you know, if if that is the case. So we have a very large following on many social media platforms. So we've been able to monetize those successfully through ongoing sponsored posts for various brands and advertisers. And then brand will buy like the whole Megillah. They're like, all right, we want to reach BlogTO's audience. And if you want to reach the whole audience, you're going to get the sponsored Instagram post, plus you're going to get the ads on the website, plus TikTok video. Is that like a package? I mean, I mean, it depends on the budget of the advertiser. We've worked with small businesses who have, you know, obviously a smaller ad budget who might just come to us for a sponsored Instagram post. And then we've also worked with very large advertisers who might buy a package on the website, but also across various social media platforms. How's uh, how's Moses? How's Moses Neimer now that you're with the uh, Yeah, Zoomer we're Media? really looking forward to the relationship. I mean, the thing with Moses is he's such an iconic figure in, you know, Canadian media landscape. And he's so passionate about local journalism and local media, which is why, you know, we feel that this is such a great fit. And he made you a millionaire. Well, you know, it's a it's uh, it's interesting, you know, 
it's it's actually I would say um hopefully what am I trying to say here I don't know um, <laughs> we don't I mean you should just th- say thanks yeah thanks. thanks Moses yeah thanks Moses I mean we, you know again it's tricky to figure out these days what a site or brand like blogtio might be worth whether they underpaid overpaid whether both parties got you know good value I mean I would like to think that Blogtail will be worth a lot more one day. If we do what we're planning on doing, we're going to continue to grow the brand, then it should be worth a lot more one day, in which case, you know, 50 million is going to seem like a pretty cheap price. You've been running it since day one, so Moses doesn't buy this without you attached. The value, he's got to figure, I want that guy still running it. And usually a deal like this says that you got to stay before you can go off with your millions to, uh, to New Zealand or wherever it is. Uh, that you're going to go, you got to see, oh man, I got to like, a contract says, what is it? Th- how much do you have? Three years? I mean, I don't know, again, what I'm at liberty to discuss. I think you've combed through their financial reports and, and yeah, all that, all that information is there in terms of what they paid for the company. But getting into any details that are not already disclosed, I don't think I'm at liberty to do so. Again, it's a public company. Um, what I will say is that, yes, I'm still here. I don't plan on going anywhere. And uh, I think, you know, there's a great future for Blog.to. All right. You've been incredibly patient with me. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for your questions. That is your Canada land. If you like this show, please support us. If you like our other shows, there's a way to just support them. It's a totally new thing. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts and you want to give money specifically to our politics shows, The Backbench, which is now weekly, and Wag the Dug, there's an election coming up, and Commons, their new season is coming out, you can support those shows for $2.99 a month on Apple Podcasts, and you'll get ad-free versions of all three of those shows, plus bonus content that you won't get anywhere else. That is something we've never offered before. Support those shows directly for $2.99 a month on Apple Podcasts. Go check it out. You can email me at jesse at canadaland.com. I read them all. We're on Twitter at CanadaLand. Our website's canadaland.com. Tristan Capicione is our audio editor and technical producer. Our senior producer is Sarah Lornyuk. Kieran Oudshorn is our managing editor. Our theme music is by so-called. Syndication is handled by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. If you like this show, click on the link in the show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. And if you like our other shows and want to support them specifically, you can do that on Apple Podcasts on our new Canada Land Politics channel. Go check it out on your app right now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.